Good morning. Hello. Or as we would say in Suriname, this is in Suriname, Nwekino. Nwekino is actually a Saramakan language, and that means, are you awake? You know, that's the way they greet. Are you awake? Nwekino? <laughs> Good. Continue with our uh, studies today and our theme this morning is our identity in Christ. Can you believe that? Our identity in Christ. And the question is, what is that? How can we define that? Or let me ask another question. Who am I actually? Have you ever asked that question? Who am I? If you have the opportunity to move as quick as we did in our lives, sometimes you ask that question. Going to a new place to live, you don't know anybody, people don't know you, and you wonder, who am I? Or growing up playing soccer, good soccer player, and then as you're getting older, you realize you can't play soccer anymore as you used to. Or try to play with the kids. And they move like so fast and you're, you know, way behind them. You realize, if my identity was this good soccer player, after a while, guess what will happen? It's all gone. Or an executive in a company. And then suddenly, they fire you. You're an executive. And then suddenly tomorrow you are no longer an executive. The good mom, good dad, and then your kid walk away from the Lord. Are you still a good mom, a good dad? You know, sometimes in life we identify ourselves with the things that we do, things that happen to us or things that we are good at. A straight A student great student i was a very very good student and guess what happened i just failed middle school uh it was grade eight just like that filled with distinction <laughs> and my friends were gone actually uh i'm doing a course this semester uh preparing to teach a class and taking a class and it is a first year college level course in linguistics so i had my exam a few weeks ago and guess what my score was? 43 out of 100. Just failed. I mean, who am I? You know, it's good to ask that question because we wrestle with uh, that question in life. For some people, their identity is their coffee. You know, my coffee, my identity. Or for some of us, I'm a Christian, non-pork eating, non-coffee drinking, and so on and so on, and the list goes on and on and on. Is that who we are? I have a short video clip here. Who am I? Teacher, a mother, or am I what I 
have achieved, an honor student, an MVP, a winner, am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint? A sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Well, that's the message for today. That's all. You, you can go home now. <laughs> Father, as we continue to look at your word, we pray that you will speak to us, that we will recognize who we are in Christ. Just want to pray, Lord, that our time together will be a time of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I prepared a list that you have in your bulletin about a few things that I saw in Ephesians 1 and 2, I think. And that's just a few things of what we are in Christ. And you can go through the list. The good news is it's not an inspired list. So you can add to it. You can change. You can take away. Feel free to do so. Just tell us who we are in Christ. Now, after finishing this, I went to a, uh, a conference or actually, yeah, one day, I only attended one day, Tuesday evening. And someone spoke on challenges that they are facing in a particular denomination. And one of the challenges she said was on individualism. People just focus on themselves. You know, who am I? What is it that I can get? They go to church based on what they can get from church. And then I went back and looked at my message. You know, if you look at what I said, is I am, I am, I am, I am. And then just reading the chapter in Ephesians chapter 1 again, if we go there, guess what you will see? It is all about us and we. We are, and God gave us, and we are, and us. It's about us. Part of our identity as God's people is who we are together in Christ. We are a group that God has chosen for himself, not just me, us, all of us. That's part of who we are. And guess what, friends? That's a community that you cannot decide to choose who you want within that group. That's family. You don't choose family. You are born into a family, whether you like it or not. You know, that's life. 
I was like the middle in the family with my brothers, you know, and then the big brothers and they do certain things and you're not allowed to do that. And some of them are mean to you and you don't like that. But guess what? They are brother. And we are family. That's who we are. So even though we'll be focusing on who we are this morning, it's good to keep in mind it is who we are together as well as a body of believers. I have this quote from Blaise uh, Pascal. He said, Not only do we know God by Jesus Christ alone, we'll agree, we know God through Christ alone, but we know ourselves only by Jesus Christ. I know myself only by Christ. We know life and death only through Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, we do not know what is our life, nor our death, nor God, nor ourselves. Only in Christ. Yesterday, uh, Katie mentioned it briefly, the passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We are a new creation in Christ. A new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. We are a new creation. And do you know what new creation means? Anybody know what new creation means? It means new creation. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. It is new. It's like driving a car that's total, you know, total. And then someone comes to you and says, you know what? I'm going to give you a brand new car. Guess what that car will look like? Brand new. It's not your car fixed and, and then you didn't have, your insurance was not able to cover everything and they fixed one part of it and the other part is not fixed. No, it is totally new. And actually the word used here can also mean like new as if new in its kind. A new one, brand new, was not there before. In other words, we cannot look to ourselves as who we used to be. We are no longer those kind of people. We are new, folks. We are brand new in Christ. Ephesians 2.10, I'm coming to Ephesians 1, but just try to uh, do a background here, said we are a God's workmanship. If you have the New Living Translation, it says we are God's masterpiece. We are God's Master's peace. You know, he created us. We are special. Again, together as a church community, but also as new believers, as new people in Christ. We are God's special creation. You know, the next time you look in the, into the mirror, just tell that person, do you know who you're looking at? God's masterpiece is standing right in front of you. Again, God has it in his mind all the time. We are special in the eyes of God. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 say, But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in transgressions, make us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. God loved us with his great love. We are loved by God with his great love. Beloved of God. Do you know what it means that God loves us? 
2 Timothy 1, 9. He is the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not based on our works, but on his own purpose and grace, granted us in Christ Jesus before time began. He has saved us and he called us. We are like people invited by God, a special group of people. And the text says, it's not that he said, you know what? I like the way they live. No, that's not what it says. God called us and, and he saved us, it says, before time began. Before we were born. He said, you guys, you people are so special to me. So let's take time and look at Ephesians 1. We'll focus on chapter 1. And then I've listed a few blessings there. So Ephesians 1 verse 3, that's where we start. Start with, guess what? I am blessed. I am blessed. And, and today I'll do what we do in our church back home as well, or as we when we were in South Africa in our churches, and I'll encourage you to follow me, you know, and just do what I say. Just look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I am blessed. I'm blessed. Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We are blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What other source do we need? God himself, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed us. And actually this verse says, we should bless him as well. God blesses us all these spiritual blessings. And we bless him in return with our praise and our thanksgiving and our adoration. We are blessed in Christ. In Christ. It's not in myself. It's not in my accomplishment. It's not because I'm looking good. You know, when I was younger, look at myself. Athletic guy. And now as I look at myself, I see the six-pack. You know what I mean? So if that is who I, I am, that if that was my identity, I was in trouble. My identity is in Christ. I am blessed in Christ. And finally in verse 3, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. With every, not just a few. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Whatever I need to live this life, to bring honor and glory to God, I am blessed with it. Second, I am chosen, verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I am chosen. Do you know what that means? It's a young man looking at all the girls in the world 
and finally decide to select this particular girl and marry her. He didn't, he didn't want to say anything about the others. He's just focusing on this one, pursue her. You know, I have seen things happening when a guy put his eye on a girl. We had a brother in our church in Suriname, and he couldn't swim, so he didn't like water. Like if we go to the river or creek, he won't join us. If he had to travel somewhere, there should be a good ferry. Sometimes they have this small canoe to cross the river, and he would never go into such a thing. He was so afraid. But then guess what? He fell in love with a young lady on the other side of the river. And, you know, he would go with the ferry, no problem. And then one day he planned to go, and the ferry was out of service. The only way he could cross the river was with this small canoe. Guess what he did? Took the canoe, and he went to the other side. So when he came back, when he came, you asked him, what happened? And he smiled. You know, he put his eye on someone chosen, special. We are chosen by God. And this, this, first, this chapter actually, Ephesians 1, verse 4, 5, and 11, tells us something about God's choosing us for a specific purpose. In verse 4, it is to be holy and blameless. In verse 5, it is for adoption. And in verse 11, it is to obtain an inheritance. God selected us from among all the others who were there. He said, you are special to me. It is about God himself selecting for himself in Christ a group of people. And we praise him for that. Next, verse 5. I'm adopted. I'm adopted. Verse 5 said, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. I'm adopted. I'm become a son. That's the language used here. The language of, of adoption brings you into the position of sonship, a position of blessing, all of us. But as you look at the New Testament, there are two passages where we also see this same language. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And what do we do? By whom we cry, Abba, Father. A spirit of adoption speaking to us about intimacy with our Father. Speaking to us about worship. It's the same thing we find in Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, who calls Abba, Father. We are adopted by God, and we are worshippers of God as a result. We have an intimate relationship with God. Ephesians 1.5 said that God adopted us to himself. You know, often when we speak about salvation, when we speak about the work of Christ, we focus on what it means for us, isn't it? He did it for me. But here God said, I'm doing this for me. 
I'm adopting you. I'm taking you as my own for myself to enjoy you. And we can enjoy God because we are adopted. Verse 6, I didn't know how to express this one. So I created my own phrase. And if it's not in your English dictionary, please feel free to add it at no cost. I'm glorious grace blessed. It says in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which wished he blessed us in the beloved. You remember in verse 3, we saw that we were blessed. And here in verse 6, it's, it's not just we are blessed. But we are glorious blessed. Glorious grace blessed. What does that mean? I have no idea. But I know it is good. You know, grace in itself already is amazing. And then glorious grace on top of that. Being blessed in that way is special. We are blessed. We are adopted. We are chosen. You know, uh, scholars looking at this chapter of Ephesians says that the blessing come to us from the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the first six verses, we find the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then as we move to verse 7, we find the blessings in the Son, even though we already saw some of that in the previous verses. Verse 7 I'm redeemed and forgiven. I, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redeemed, we have redemption. It means that we were in a situation of captivity or slavery. And we needed to be delivered out of that. And the Lord did that. So we are no longer living under the oppression of darkness or the devil or the slavery of this world. We are redeemed. It means that a price was paid for us. That is the word that's used here. Uh, that is what it was used for in those days. A price had to be paid for it. One a commentator said this. Let me read this for us. It involves buying back and setting free by paying a ransom price. It involves buying back and setting free by paying a ransom price. Jesus Christ has redeemed us from sin. Namely, set us free from slavery of it. The blood representative of the life and the perfect sacrifice had to flow out of him for this to happen. A price was paid for all redemption. But guess what, folks? We are redeemed. We were set free by Christ. But that's not all. It says also we are forgiven. 
This is one thing that sometimes as God's people we struggle with. Because the enemy keeps telling us that was so bad, God can't forgive you. No one will forgive you. And this verse tells us, not that we will be forgiven, but we have the forgiveness. It reminds us something about who God is as well. You remember the story in Matthew 18 where there was this king, the, a parable, where there was this king and these people owed him a lot of money. Actually, looking at the story, you say, how can a king do that? Uh, one of the, the guys, he owed the king 10,000 talents in the story. And that is worth millions and millions of dollars. That's what this guy owed. And he had to pay back the money. And he came and he said, I'm sorry, uh, please have mercy on me. Give me some time, I'll pay. And in verse 27 of Matthew 18, we read, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Forgave him millions and millions of dollars just like that. Say, it's taken care of. You, you're good. We are good. That's what our God did for us. You and I are forgiven. We are a group of people forgiven by God. We are a group of people who live according to that forgiveness. Later on in Ephesians, we read that as God in Christ has forgiven us, so we also should forgive. You know, there is a practical application there. But that's not what we are looking at right now. We are looking at what God has done for us. I am forgiven. Even if no one want to believe it, it's true. I am forgiven. I can live with guilt. I can live with whatever people want me to live with or the devil want me to live with. As far as God is concerned, you are forgiven once and for all. And then in verse 8, this is another one of the phrases that we created. I am grace lavished upon. Reading part of verse 7. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and all inside. The word lavish means has shown in an exceedingly high degree. It means like abundantly. It means like overflowing. It is an oversized grace, one person said. Not just an ordinary grace. And God did that to us and demonstrated in all wisdom and insight. In other words, you and I are wise and we have insights. And in, in verse 9 and 10, we will see some more of the insight that we have. But grace was lavished upon us. God gave us his grace. And we can walk into uh, life this week, so to speak, knowing I'm a person that God's grace rests upon. God is gracious to me. He has been gracious to me, and he always will. 
be gracious to me. It's good for us to identify ourselves in Christ, in what God gave us in our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 9 and 10 we read, Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I'm a mystery knower. I know mysteries. You know, in this verse, I think the focus is on the intimate relationship that we have with God, where he said, I will not hide my plans for my people. I'm sharing with you. He made known to us the mystery of his will, the purpose that he had, the plans that he has to bring everything forth on the one head, which is Christ. God said, I want you guys to know. Do you know what my purpose is in life? Do you know what I want, what I'm focusing on? Is bringing everything under the headship of Christ. You and I, we focus on knowing God's will for us today. You know, Lord, do you want me to stay here? Lord, do you want me to work here? Lord, do you want me to marry this person? Lord, do you want me to do this? Those are important things in life, isn't it? But God said, what I want to share with you, and what I'm sharing with you is something bigger than that. It is a plan with the universe. I'm going to bring everything under this one man who is Christ. And I want you guys to know that. Like he told Abraham in the Old Testament, God said, am I going to hide my plans for Abraham? Abraham is my friend. I'm going to share that with him. And in Christ, God made known to us his plan so that you and I can follow that. What are we passionate about in life? God's plan, seeing God's plans fulfill, God's plan accomplished. I'm someone who know the mystery of God's will. He will bring everything under Christ. And then in verse 11, and also taking verse 14 with us, you see the verses there. In him... We have obtained an inheritance. I'm an inheritance receiver. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who work all things according to the counsel of his will. And again in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We have obtained an inheritance. And it is guaranteed, and we will receive it, a blessing that God gave to each and every one of us. And then the final one in this section, verse 12. I'm among the first to hope in Christ. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. First, who know something about God's will and God's plan for us. Those who have this future 
assurance for the future, knowing whatever may come, we know all is well. It doesn't matter what's going on in our world today. It doesn't matter what people are doing in our world today. We know it is well. We have hope. We have certainty. Our life does not depend on the circumstances that we are facing every day or challenges that we face. It is for certain. It is sure. We have this what we call blessed assurance for now and for the future. And then the Spirit is also involved. Verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It is interesting to see uh, this word that's used for the seal, the Greek word, and the way they are using it in modern Greek today. It is a word that they are using for the engagement ring. So when I promise someone, say, you know what, I'm giving you this ring. I'm telling the person, you know, for now, keep this ring. You'll get me soon. I, you know, I give you the ring as a promise. Say, I'm coming. So you give the person that ring as a promise, as a seal. Say, you belong to me. I'm coming. So we are sealed with the Spirit telling us that we belong to this one person. We belong to this triune God who redeemed us, who forgave us, who gave us everything in Christ. And the sign of that is the Holy Spirit that he gave us. He said, you are mine. You belong to me. I don't belong to anybody else. I belong to Christ. His seal is upon me. The engagement ring is upon me. I mean, wouldn't it be strange someone gave, you, gave a lady an engagement ring and then she's standing there talking to some, another guy? What would it like making plans to marry that guy? Do you think things like that? How would you feel about that? It can't be like that. I give the ring as a... Kadim? Okay. <laughs> I give the ring as a promise. <coughs> Say, I'm coming. I'm not ready yet. Well, you know what I did? I didn't give an engagement ring. I married her immediately <laughs> without an engagement ring. Nothing to lose. Can't wait long. You know, we're doing it and we are doing it right now. No waiting. We are in Christ. Our identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Personally, but also together. As a local church, our identity is in Christ. More so, we belong to Him. We are His. And our life should be life dedicated to this one purpose. Bringing honor and glory to this one man. Christ Jesus. As I was working on the message, I wrestled with it and I talked to a few guys and Kadim and I spent some time just going over it, talking about things. And then this thing keep coming back, you know, as we were talking. 
It's when we are going through difficulties in life that we ask questions about our identity. It's when things are not going the way we want them to go. When we face tr challenges in our relationship, at work, with our friends, school, school not going the way they should. And those things can take away our focus from Christ or our identity in Christ. Suddenly we start looking at people, seeing what people are doing to us instead of knowing who we are. It's like the people of Israel. You know, when God took them out of Egypt, guess what they did? They praised God, Exodus chapter 15. What a mighty God. They sang songs of glory to God. And then the challenges came. There was no water. You remember that? And what did they say? Moses, why did you bring us here? You know, it's no longer about God. God, what is it that you are telling us? It's Moses, why did you bring us here? Suddenly the focus shift from the Lord to the people around us giving us a hard time. Folks, it's never about people. Even Ephesians will tell us, Ephesians 1 verse 3 say, our blessings are in the heavenly places. And guess what chapter 6, 6 is telling us? Our battle is in the same place where we have the, the forces of darkness challenging us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Not against people, against the forces of darkness. But a good thing is also that it is when we are going through these difficulties and challenges, we realize who we really are. These challenges in life help us to see, you know, when everything happens, when things challenge us, what is it that remains true of who we are? And then we realize it is who God thinks we are. It is who we are in Christ. Again, in life we will face challenges, things that we treasure so much, friendships that we treasure so much, will one day go away with. You know, they will pass. Paul had great friends at the end of his life. Guess what he said? They've all gone. Friends will dis disappoint us. But at the end, Christ remained the same. Now and forever. And who we are in him doesn't change. Because it's not based on who, what we have done. Or even our loyalty to him. But it is because of what he has done for us. He elected us. He he blessed us. He forgave us. He adopted us. It is all because of what God in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, did for us. And it is certain. It is sure. And it will always be true. Tell your neighbor again, I am blessed. Tell your neighbor, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Our God and Father, we thank you that you have chosen us even before the foundation of the world. And that you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You have adopted us 
as your sons and daughters, giving us this privilege to be able to call you our Father. We thank you that we have in you the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that we have redemption all in the blood of Christ. We thank you that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, assurance that we belong to you. Thank you that you have allowed us to know your plans, your will with this world to bring everything under this one man, under Christ. We thank you, Father, that your blessing were not just given to me as an individual, but you are giving it to us collectively as the body of Christ, the community of believers. Together, we are so blessed. And we just want to say thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you. You are an amazing God. You are an awesome God. You are good, and you are good all the time. There is no one like you. Lord, as we always do and reflect and look at ourselves, we realize that it's not because of what we have done or something in us that made you do all these things for us. But it is because of your grace, the richness of your grace. And this morning, once again, we just want to say thank you. And we bless your name. Amen. God bless.